So Galatians chapter 5, fruit of the Spirit. You don't need a deep introduction. We've been in here for about three weeks now. Just basic uh, reference. We're contrasting works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. You and I, every single one of us, are operating in one or the other. You can't bear some of the Spirit and some of the flesh. A good tree produces good fruit, Jesus said in Matthew 7, and a bad tree produces bad fruit in Matthew 7. So you're not going to be able to produce love, joy, peace, and adultery, fornication, idolatry. It doesn't happen like that. If you've ever had, you know, whenever we grew up, we had a peach tree, and it was the worst thing in my life. I don't know what was wrong with it. I think it was cursed because the peaches were horrible. They were rotten. And all my life, we never were able to eat one peach from that thing. Not one. And everybody else was growing those peach trees, and they would eat them. And, you know, we'd go over there to their property and eat them. But ours, never. it was just a rotten tree. It was a bad tree. And so they ended up cutting it down. But, you know, sometimes that's, you know, it's a good illustration because it wouldn't be like, you know, five good things and five bad things. Jesus said a, a, a bad tree has bad fruit on it. So you know a tree by its fruit. You know whether it's good or bad by the fruit it bears. If somebody is, is all the time causing division and stress and anxiety, if somebody's all the time you know, pressuring you and, and getting you to do things you know that aren't right, that's bad fruit. That's bad fruit, even though they may name the right name. They may name the name of Christ. But, you know, Paul taught us that not everybody that says Jesus is preaching the same Jesus that he was preaching in the Bible. Amen. So things have to line up biblically. Um, but anyways, so we have this contrast between the, the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. And so here uh, we're talking about these, these uh, fruit of the Spirit. And let me say this as we get into it you don't have to try harder to get more fruit of the spirit this is not one of those things that you've got to try harder this is the more you surrender to God the more you surrender the more you accept what Christ did for you at the cross the deeper work the spirit of God is going to take in you and he's going to teach you and lead you and guide you and he's going to be the one that produces the fruit it's the it's not the fruit of you it's the fruit of the Spirit. You're not loving. You're not joyous. You're not peaceful. You're not long-suffering. You're not those things. It's the Spirit of God in you that is those things. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So just don't, you know, sometimes I've, I've talked with people and they're like, ah, I just got to get more peace in my life. I got to get more joy. And they get all frustrated and worked up and they got to go buy a DVD and a, a, a this and a book and this. But it's, it all comes down to whether the Spirit of God is working in you. And that all takes place in your faith in what Jesus did for you on the cross. You're accepting that he is the sacrifice for your sin. That all your wrongdoing, even your wrong that you did today, Christ paid the penalty for your wrongdoing. Amen? You don't work it off. Christ worked it off. You can't work it off. And everything that God has for you is available by your faith in what Christ did for you at the cross. So you don't graduate from the cross. Amen. Amen. All right. So here's the fruit of the Spirit, beginning in verse 22. 
It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. And that temperance, it basically means self-control. Now, these fruit of the Spirit that we're talking about, we're in love. We're talking about love. Um, and tonight, we're going to, Lord willing, finish love. So let's go ahead and, and backtrack to 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. And we're going to pick up where we stopped at last time. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is called the love chapter. The love chapter. Isn't it amazing that love is called a fruit of the Spirit? People say, ah, oh, the world needs more love. Well, that means it needs more God. Because, you know, the love of the world and the love of God is two different loves. Showed you last time, the love of God is that God, you know, God loved us while we were yet sinners. God showed us his love in that, you know, Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That's God's love on display. That means that, that when we were not deserving of God's love, God gave it anyways. We, not only were we not deserving of it, but we had rejected God. We, we had lived a life of sin. We had gone in rebellion towards God. And even in our state of rebellion, when we didn't deserve God's mercy, God did the unthinkable by becoming a man and bearing our sin on the cross. And so that's a display of love. So we get into the love chapter. That's the display of love we're working with. We're not working with, you know, this kind of uh, third grade boyfriend, girlfriend kind of love. That's the world's love. That, that makes no sense. That does not work in the kingdom of God. That kind of love doesn't work. The love we're talking about is a love that gives even when somebody doesn't deserve it. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but that's not the issue. The issue is making sure our hearts are right with God. And if our hearts are right with God, we're going to treat people differently. Amen? Whereas the world will only treat you differently if you behave differently. Do you see the difference? You want me to like you, you better do something I like. But God's not like that. God showed his love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So big difference. So as we get into this, let's look in uh, where we are. Uh, charity is um, a, a part of love. Charity is actually uh, having mercy on somebody. Charity is showing goodness to somebody. That's what love is. It's being merciful and being good to them. And so, as you know, we get into this, um, that's exactly what we're talking about. Last time, we stopped at rejoices not in iniquity, which is in verse number 6. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 6. It says, uh, speaking of love, rejoices not in iniquity. So one of the main characteristics about love is that it does not rejoice or partake 
enjoy things that are against God. So if, if, if you or I, I'll just put it in, in, in how we can understand, right? If, 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 if you or I enjoy things that God hates, that's not love. One of the clearest examples that you could give in the church is, is when people that go to church on Sunday go to the movie theater on Fridays and they watch movies where people are fornicating or getting drunk or getting high on drugs or something like that and not ever batting an eye, just watching it, eating that popcorn, drinking that Coke, where when, when it's us, we should not rejoice in iniquity. It should turn our stomachs. Iniquity, things that are against God, should cause us to turn from those things. You know, if we know that God hates those things, we shouldn't enjoy those things. We shouldn't say, boy, that was a good movie. What movie? Well, you don't want to see it, brother. All right. Well, what's going on there? Because love rejoices not in iniquity. You know, I shared a story one time, you know, about people on the job. They were, you know, I worked construction, and they were always telling jokes that were crude. They had no business telling, you know, and they would always say it louder whenever I got around. Amen? Just to see the reaction that you would have. Just to see the reaction because the world wants to poke holes in you. The world, you shining a light in a dark world convicts the world of their darkness. Not because of you, but because of the light in you. And so the world is constantly wanting you to come down to their level because your bright light is convicting them. And the worst thing we can do is rejoice in iniquity because the world is swallowed up in iniquity. And if you want to give a good testimony to the Lord, don't rejoice in iniquity. You watching a movie and something comes on that God hates, turn it off. You know, the last time, uh, I'm not bragging on us, but the last time me and Sister Lindsay went to the movies, this was, I think the year we got married or before we got married is the last time we went and the movie it we went and got our money back wasn't 10 minutes into it I said, i'm not watching that i'm not watching it and i asked for my money back because i'm not going to give money to something that is it, it provides an avenue for people to even rejoice in iniquity if i can help it i'm not going to do it amen and, and, and I'm not, you know, saying do what we do, but I'm saying there's those small things, and those are the little compromises that take place in a Christian's life that we don't even realize this is directly against God's word. This is directly against the Spirit of God. Remember, love is a fruit of the Spirit. So if you're rejoicing in iniquity, you're working against the Spirit working in you. You're, you're counterproductive. You're being counterproductive. You're warring against what God's trying to do in you if you're allowing things like that to go on. You, you know, I, I heard a minister one time, you know, he uh, had a, a couple come in and, you know, they were going to just stay the night. They needed a place to crash and they were going to move on. Okay, are you married? No? Well, both of y'all can't stay here under this roof. How many of y'all heard stories like that before? Yeah, it, you don't hear it too much anymore. It, it, but, but that minister wasn't going to allow iniquity. And you know, the word of God goes even deeper because he says don't even have the appearance of evil. 
not to even have the appearance of evil. But we as believers should not re relax and enjoy or rejoice over things that God hates. So just a, a, a few of those things. I mean, you can go down that list of the works of the flesh, which we spent the last couple of months in. Um, but I, I just got down, you know, not laughing at, at evil things. You know, when somebody fails, when somebody fails God, we should grieve at those things, not be giddy over those things. When, when somebody tells a dirty joke, we shouldn't be laughing at those things. Amen? Um, you know, and, and, and if you think about it in terms of movies, because I think those are probably one of the main areas that people compromise because people may not commit adultery or drug use or they may not get drunk, but they may be fine watching other people get drunk and have, you know, foul language and things like that. Well, I can handle it, you know. I'm old enough. I can handle that kind of stuff. Well, your flesh can handle it, but your spirit is grieved by it. Your flesh can handle it, but your spirit's grieved by it. You want to grow in the spirit, you're going to have to walk away from those things that grieve the spirit of God. And so rejoicing not in iniquity is one of the things that the spirit of God does. Um, and, and so the, the deeper you go in God, the more you're going to be convicted over those issues, aren't you? The deeper we go with God, we're going to be convicted over those things. Somebody that pushes the pause button on their relationship with God, they can watch all that kind of stuff they want because they've done stopped pressing into God. But the more, you know, God convicts us and draws us closer to him and he refines us, the more that conviction is going to set in on, on issues like this. What you, what five years ago you might have, you, it might not have bothered you. This year it does. You see the difference? God's growing you. God's growing you. I was uh, sharing the other night with our friends. I heard a, a minister say, you know, he, he loved to talk to the older saints because he said this, the walk is just different because the deeper you go, the brighter the light. Amen? The deeper you go, the brighter the light. The closer God, you know, brings you in. But the brighter the light, the more you see the little specks. Whereas when you first started walking with God, you didn't see the specs. You thought you was all that in a bag of chips. But the closer you get with God, the more you get in tune with God, the brighter that light, the more you start seeing there's a speck, there's a speck. And so, and, and you're more in love with God now than ever. You, you want to obey him and please him. And so when you see those things, it grieves your heart. And he said, you know, he would uh, talk to these guys and they would, you know, talk about something in, in, you know, where 15 years ago they might have told lies themselves. And this year they're weeping over lies that they told 20 years ago. You see, the closer they get with God, the more deep that, that walk is. And it just, it, 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 it convicts them. You know, oh, I had a thought that I shouldn't have had, and they'll weep over it for hours, hours. You know what I mean? So there's this deeper walk that takes place, and, and the, the more we get in line with God's spirit, the more we get in tune with God, the more he's going to be refining us. If a person's not being refined, something's wrong. They done hit the pause button. We should continually be being challenged by the spirit of God because until the day that God calls you home, your flesh is at war against you. 
And if your flesh is at war against you, the spirit is compelling you. And so there's this continual refining and, and building up of the inner man. I mean, don't forget, you know, what, what Peter talked about. The, the trial of our faith refines us. The trial of our faith refines us. You, you ever wonder, when is it ever going to stop? When are these trials ever going to stop? When is everything going to get good? When is it? Never. You're always going to have the trials of faith, but God will teach you how to walk through them. God will teach you how to navigate through them with, and not lose your temper. He'll teach you how to navigate through them and not doubt. He'll teach you how to trust his unchanging hand when you can't see five feet in front of you. He'll teach you how when things don't work out the way you want them to work out, to trust that he's in control. He knows best. He's the author and finisher of life. He's the one that holds the whole world in his hands. And he loves you. And so God will teach us these things. And, and it's this deep work of the spirit that he does in us. So rejoicing not in iniquity is a big one it's a big one that i believe causes most people uh to to not be able to walk the way that they ought to not be able to walk the way that they ought to uh what do i mean by that is just that you know a a, a compromised believer just doesn't have the authority for a spiritual battle a compromised believer they're they're just you know doggy paddling when God's calling us to go out into the deep. A compromised believer just doesn't have that power. They don't have that victory. They're, they're, they're in that middle lane, riding the fence. Amen? And you don't want to be there. You don't want to be there. You want to be growing because, you know, the, the last thing that, that we want to do is go backwards. And, I, you know, here's my saying, and you'll probably know it's coming. If you're not, if you're not front sliding, you're backsliding. I don't know how many times I've said it, but it's you know there's there's no middle. You're either being refined or you're indulging the flesh. There's no middle. Okay, so rejoicing not in iniquity. Iniquity being things that God hates. Iniquity being sin. Iniquity being anything that that drives you away from God. Iniquity being sin or anything that drives you away from God. So secondly, we're here in verse number six. Love rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. You see, you know why love rejoices in the truth? Because the truth is what makes you free. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You could be all kinds of mixed up in all kinds of areas. You could have all kinds of bondages, but once you get a hold of the truth, the truth will get planted deep down inside you, and the truth, Jesus says, will make you free. You can't help it. Once you get hold of the truth, it'll stir and bubble up on the inside of you, and it will cause you to become free from those past bondages. You get enough truth in there, that truth is going to make you free. Amen? Did you have something? Jesus, Jesus said he is truth. Yes. Yeah, he said he's the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. Um, but he said over there in, in John 8 that you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free 
Nothing brings us more delight than to see the truth of God spreading into our families, into our communities, and into the world. Doesn't it bring you so much pleasure, so much joy when your family members begin walking in the truth? Amen? You get a cousin or a brother or a sister or a spouse or, a, 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 you know, a, anybody begin to get saved, begin to walk in the truth. It causes joy. It just rises up because love rejoices in the truth. Love rejoices in the truth. And then when you see it in your community, you know, we're praying for this community right now. This community is, is going through some hard times. A lot of communities are. We're praying on this one. And when God's truth begins to move in this area, we're going to be overjoyed by the work of God. And then you see it in the world. You see missionaries go out in different places and bring the light. You know, we have uh, friends in Tanzania, in Africa, that are, are, are missionaries there. And, and they started out, there was hardly any Christians there. Now, they're bringing in, uh, they're, they're training pastors in Tanzania, and they'll, they'll easily have 200, 200 pastors go through their college and go back out into the villages, the remote areas of Tanzania, bring the gospel, fired up and equipped to preach. You talk about spreading the truth. It's amazing. And those people, when they get together, it's just so much joy, so much thanksgiving going on because God's light is changing communities. God's bringing people out of darkness. See, that's the problem that you see in the church today. It goes back to this word, compromise. You see this, the, 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 the society embracing things like abortion or homosexuality, things like that that God hates, God doesn't like. But the truth is what brings freedom. It's what brings people out of that. And as the church has compromised and allowed that stuff to go on and put their thumbs up on it, you've seen the joy leave the church. We might have big buildings, but there's no true joy there. There's no true fire there because there's compromise there. See, as we're, not, as we're not walking in the truth, you're not going to have the Spirit of God there. You'll have a spirit, but not the Spirit of God if you're not walking in the truth. There will be a spirit. Not the holy one, that's right. Not the holy one. So it's important that we rejoice in truth, and if we rejoice in truth, we're going to desire that other people be made free by the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So it, 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 nothing would give us more joy, rejoices in the truth. Nothing would give us more joy than to see a community changed as they understand what God's word says and come out of their iniquity and turn to God. We rejoice in the truth. Amen? We rejoice in the truth. Well, you know, here's something else about the truth. Is we want to see all people have the same freedom we have. We don't want to hold it in. You remember the song, you know, this little light of mine? I'm going to let it shine. And it's, in one part it says, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. See, if you've got the truth... 
there should be a desire in you that other people have that same truth. If God has set you free, if God has set you free from a bondage, whatever it may be, you can name it. If God has set you free from that bondage, there's a desire in you that others experience the same freedom. Amen? You see, rejoicing in the truth, it comes into our relationships as well, though. You see, some people can get caught up in things like gossip. Things like gossip. You know what it does? They call it tickling the ear, but it's tickle, it tickles your flesh. And remember, the way that I've been treating this, you're either operating in the flesh or the spirit. So if we're operating in gossip, we're, we call it, we, you know, we sanitize it by saying it tickles the ears. Did you hear what brother so-and-so, did you hear what sister so-and-so... It, we, we sanitize it by calling it tickle the ears, but it actually is tickling our flesh. It's, it's arousing that work of the flesh in us. We're allowing ourselves to move out of the camp of the spirit and go right back into the flesh. It tickles the flesh. So what does love do? It rejoices in the truth. So if somebody begins to gossip, we say, look, we don't know the truth on that issue. Somebody says, did you hear uh, so-and-so did this, so-and-so did that? And I heard that they said that she said that they went. You know how those go. It gets bigger and bigger, and somebody's cousin and second aunt and somebody they saw at the store saw somebody that, that seen it. And, but, but love rejoices in the truth, and you say, look, I, I can't go off a of hearsay. I'm not going to allow my flesh to indulge in hearsay. I need the truth. I love the truth. I rejoice in the truth. I need the truth. And so if I hear gossip about somebody, I'm going to go to them. Hey, let's shine the light on that. You know, the devil likes to work in the dark. So the best thing we can do is take a flashlight. Somebody, somebody says, did you know that so-and-so is doing so-and-so? Well, let's go ask them. Let's go talk to them and see what's going on. Let's go bring the flashlight with us, right? And say, hey, somebody's talking about you. Is this true? Did you do? No, I've never been there. Well, you done shine the light on what the enemy was trying to do. Do you know that the enemy tries to do that between spouse? Cause division, cause issues, doubts. You know, those thoughts get planted in there. In, in between loved ones, maybe a cousin or an aunt, or you take a text message the wrong way, and then somebody else says, well, I know, you know they never liked you because, you know, you did, they, they did this and they did. People always, but love rejoices in the truth. Love says, well, hold on, let me go ask aunt so-and-so. Before we, before we get all carried away, let's go ask aunt so-and-so. That, that's what love does. Love's not going to allow that iniquity. Love rejoices in the truth. So, you know, I'm not going to allow myself to get caught up in the he said, she said, hearsay stuff. I'm going to take, you know, a big, they have those big old um, mag flashlights, you know. I'm going to take my big old flashlight and shine my light on whatever the problem is. We're going to see exactly what it is. And that's what love does. 
That's what love does. Love shines a light where the enemy tries to cast doubt. Everywhere the enemy tries to cast doubt and sow division, love shines a light on it. Well, let's get a little truth in this thing. Let's figure out what really happened. Let's get down to the bottom. Because look, as long as things are done in darkness, you're not going to experience any healing. You're not going to experience any healing. What if sister so-and-so or aunt so-and-so did something the best thing you can do is, is, you know, take that flashlight of the truth over there, go get down to the bottom of it, and start getting that thing repaired, start getting that thing healed. It's better to do that than to leave things undone. And the enemy tries to get you to leave things undone so that there can be issues, sticky issues. Amen? That's his territory. That's his territory. He likes to work in that area right there and, 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 and keep you pitted against one another. Keep you pitted against one another. So next time somebody begins to gossip or talk bad about somebody or talk bad about you or whatever it may be, always remember, love doesn't relish in that stuff. Love doesn't relish in that stuff. Love rejoices in the truth. And so our hearts will be continually compelled to get down to the bottom of the matter. Amen? It, it could be that they're wrong, but let's get, the, let's get the, the gossip out of it. Maybe they just don't like us. Maybe it just don't work. Okay, but let's leave on good terms. Bless you. You know how many times people have done me wrong? Well, I know you don't, but I mean, there's a lot of times people have done me wrong, but say, you know what? That's, I'm, I don't hold it against you. God bless you. If I ever see you again, I'll hug your neck. I'm not going to hold it against you. Because I'm not, and the reason why is because you don't want to allow anything undone. Amen. No stone left unturned. Nothing left undone. Because that way the enemy can't shine or, or bring darkness where the light needs to shine. Amen? And so, you know, there's a lot of times that people will do, you know, do wrong and, and you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. Bless them. Get down to the bottom of it. Tell them, look, I forgive you or I'm not offended. Whatever it may be, whatever you need to say. And that way they know when they leave, there's not residual hatred or enmity between you and them. I forgive you. I'm not offended. It's over. It's gone. Whatever. Now we can move forward. You go live your life there. I'll live mine over here. But at least there's nothing in between us like that. Amen. Remember whenever Abraham and Lot parted ways? You go this way, I'll go that way. But there was nothing between them. There was no enmity between them. And that's how you do it. And then whenever Lot got into trouble, Abraham came and rescued him. Amen? Because there was nothing between them. Because there was nothing between them. Speaking of, all right, let's get over here into verse number seven. Love beareth all things. Love beareth all things. Um, when the Bible says that love bears all things, it, it means it's a cover, a cover. It keeps something secret. Whenever 
you know somebody's most intimate secrets. That's a test. Whenever somebody has entrusted you with something they've gone through, it goes to your integrity whether you will bear it or unbear it. Bearing it means you shoulder it, you carry it, you cover it. Unbearing it means you expose it to everybody. So when, when it says that, that love bears all things, love beareth all things, uh, what we're talking about here is the fact that love covers a multitude of sins. Y'all remember that verse? It's 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8. It says that love covers a multitude of sins. Now, what exactly does it mean that love covers a multitude of sins? What exactly does that mean? Does that mean that you just look the other way when people sin against God or against you? Think about it. If people sin against you or against God, you just look the other way and let them keep doing it and doing it and doing it because you've got to bear all things? No, that's not what we're talking about. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about when other people fail. When other people fail and they ask you to pray with them about it, you come along beside them and you bear their secrets. You bear their wounds. You hold them. You give them a, a heart that they can speak to, an ear that they can talk to. You come beside them. Amen? You see, if you remember... Love doesn't rejoice in iniquity. So when people sin openly and blatantly against God, God never calls you to look the other way on it. You tell them, that's sin, that's against God, I can't go with that. But when somebody has failed and they come to you and they say, look, will you pray with me about an issue? I've been, you know, doing something I shouldn't do. You bear it. You come with them. Love covers a multitude of sin. So what does that mean? That means when somebody just keeps failing and failing and failing, you help them. Amen? But you don't condone sin against God ever. It's a very uh, fine line. Andrew Murray, um, not Andrew Murray, I'm sorry, Matthew Henry. I was reading his commentary on it. He said that, that it, it goes both, it, it come, they both come up to a point because you're called in one instance to reject everything that is against God, but when somebody's been knocked down in the dirt, you're called to go put your arm around them and love on them and not expose them to the world. See, and, and the way that you know what to do is to be led by the Spirit of God. Amen. Is to be led by the Spirit of God. You remember whenever, um, when, when, uh, when the woman that was caught in adultery, she came, they, she was thrown at the feet of Jesus. Remember what they were doing? They were exposing her sin to Jesus. They were exposing it. But what did Jesus do? He, he came along beside her. He said, look, I don't condemn you. Now, look, go and sin no more. So there's that fine line. It's not condemning them, coming along beside them, but also saying, look, this isn't of God. You can't do that. Amen? A lot of people forget Jesus told her, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Okay, look, remember back whenever uh, Noah, 
after, after the ark crashed, Noah got drunk, intoxicated, inebriated, whatever. And one of his sons came in there and saw him compromised and told others. The other two sons came in and walked backwards with a blanket or sheet and covered him. Now, which one operated in love? They didn't condone the sin. They didn't say, oh, it's okay. They covered it, but they also didn't expose it. See the difference? Love covers a multitude of sins. So when somebody's been knocked down in the dirt, when somebody has been compromised, love tries to help them. It bears all things. Amen? If, if anybody in this room is going through a hard time and struggling with sin, if you're walking in the Spirit, they'll seek you out because they'll know that they can tell you their struggles and you won't condemn them but you'll help them get things right. You'll bear it. You'll help them. Amen? That's the Spirit of God working in us is that we bear all things. So there's this, uh, there, there is a, a, a component of love that you're willing to come along beside somebody, put your arm around them, and help them get back on their feet and, and not expose their past to everybody, not be blasting it to everybody, but just coming along beside them and helping them get back on their feet. That way, nobody ever knows that that ever happened. When, when Noah's sons walked in and they covered him with that blanket, anybody else that would have walked in that, that uh, tent, nobody else would have known that he was compromised because they would have just seen the blanket on him. You see what I mean? Love covers a multitude of sins. And so if you're going out and trying to expose everybody's, you know, promiscuity or drunkenness and things like that, you got to watch that. You got to watch that because love bears all things. Now, what you are called to do is to expose false doctrine or false teaching. But as far as somebody's deep sins and things like that, you, it, you would be far better off going to them and helping them pray through that issue. Say somebody's a drunk or somebody's a drug addict, somebody's a fornicator, somebody's this or that or whatever. Instead of getting on Facebook and saying, everybody, hey, so-and-so says they're a Christian, but did you know that they're a fornicator? Instead of doing that, love comes beside them and helps them pray through that. Amen? It bears all things. So we don't, we don't you know, uh, tell them, you know, you can't talk to me. We go seek them out so they can, we can pray with them over those issues. That's what love does. Amen? Isn't that what Jesus did? Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost, didn't he? He said he came to seek and to save the lost. What are we seeking? What are we seeking? Are we on a different mission than Jesus? I th I think about it. What are we seeking? Most people are seeking just to make it to the other side. Jesus said he was seeking to save the lost. That means he was seeking those that are hurting. 
He was seeking those that are in bondage. He was seeking those that were in sin. I'll tell you one of the problems that we've had in, in the churches lately, not lately, a long time. Instead of seeking those that are hurting, we avoid those that are hurting. In, when, when we know somebody's been knocked down in the dirt, we go on the other side of the street because we don't want to catch what they got. Somebody comes in a church not smelling right, not looking right, not acting right, we shun them. Jesus didn't shun those people. He shunned the religious folks. He shunned the folks that thought they had it all together. That's who he shunned. The people that didn't look right, sound right, right, smell right, act right. Jesus didn't shun those. Those were the ones he went to. Big difference, big difference. And so if we're operating in the spirit of God, wouldn't we be doing the same thing? Seeking people to give God's love to, not snub our nose at. You know how, how much better the church would be if we stopped judging each other and started loving each other? Amen? Did you see the way sister so-and-so came into church this morning? Did you see what, did you see who she brought with her? All that kind of stuff. All that kind of stuff. Big difference. Big difference in how we operate. We should be operating the same way as Jesus, seeking to save the lost. You with me? When a fault is confessed, love does not blast the fault to others. When a fault is confessed, love does not blast it to others. It, it covers it. It bears it. Okay, next one. So love beareth all things and love believeth all things. Love believes all things. It believes the best in every person. They may be dirty, rotten to the core, but love sees through where they're at right now and sees what God can do in them. Love sees the best in every person. Believes all things. When everybody else tells you that it's a hopeless cause, love believes differently. Love says if there's breath, there's hope. Love believes the best in all people, in all things. Another thing that, that it does is it gives everyone the benefit of the doubt. Gives everyone the benefit of the doubt. You know how many, how many times we don't give people the benefit of the doubt? When somebody tells you, uh, you know, um, Brother Free didn't open the door for me. Love gives the benefit of the doubt. Love says he must not have seen you. You see that? You see how quick it, it goes? Brother Free didn't open the door for me. Somebody's not walking in the spirit, they go, well, I, I, I know he, don't, he has it out for you. I, I just know he has it out for you. See, that's somebody walking in the flesh. I just, I knew it. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. 
But if you're walking in the spirit, when somebody says, Brother Free didn't open the door for me, love, which believes all things, gives everyone the benefit of the doubt, love says he must not have seen you because he wouldn't do that. See, that's the benefit of the doubt. Let's give some, well, think about it personally. Somebody takes your parking spot. Somebody sits on your chair. Somebody doesn't say hi to you. Somebody doesn't say bye. Somebody doesn't call you on your birthday. Somebody doesn't do this, do that. Instead of walking around, I knew they didn't like me. I knew they didn't do this. I knew they didn't do this. Give them the benefit of the doubt. That's what love does. Love gives the benefit of the doubt. It believes all things. They must have been busy. I, you know, I texted them three days ago. They still haven't responded. Love gives the benefit of the doubt. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? But, but, on the contrary, love is not naive. Love is not naive. It, 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 it also uses wisdom. Wisdom is a part of this. Wisdom says, you ever heard that phrase, you know, if you do it once, shame on me, twice, shame on you, or however it goes. Fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you, however it goes. That's wisdom. Wisdom you know, if if somebody keeps doing you wrong, there's a situation there that's got to change. It, it, you don't allow yourself to keep being done wrong in those regards. You've got to change something. Amen. So there's a uh, there's a, a a a place where we have to walk in the wisdom that God gives us. Not being naive, but also giving people the benefit of the doubt. But if they blow it, don't keep getting yourself hurt. Amen? If, if let's say you walk in a room and everybody, everybody mocks you, everybody makes fun of you, you know, you don't keep going into that place. You don't keep subjecting yourself to that. The first time, you might give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe I was wearing something funny. But it keeps going on and on and on. Look, you got to pray for them and get yourself out of a bad situation. Because if not, you'll lose your temper or worse. Amen? So there's wisdom that we've got to walk in. There's wisdom we've got to walk in. Give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Give them the benefit. But walk in wisdom. Don't be naive. That, um, you know, being, being naive is um, against actually... Uh, wisdom it's not having wisdom amen it's not having wisdom naive being naive would say you know uh, every time some new movie or some new book or something comes out you just go get it well that's naive because if you look at this if you look at what's going on in the world today I promise you 99.9% .9 of the movies or books out there have an agenda that is against Christianity. And the more stuff that gets pumped out, the more it's against it. Even things that are called Christian, they're not. That one of those movies that came out recently called The Shack, billed as a Christian movie. Christian uh, women's groups and youth groups went to this movie. wasn't Christian. It seeks to undermine our faith in God, calling God a woman. 
making God human and not who he is, eternal. So, you know, every naive is, you know, not having wisdom. So you're called to walk in wisdom. Understand where you are, what's going on. Amen? So speaking on this, that love believes all things, um, here's, here's an, another example of it. Love, see if you can do this. See if you can do this. Think about people in your life. Find a good opinion of everyone. Find a good opinion of everyone. Can you do that? Can you see a little bit of good in everybody? That'll, that's a good test about whether you're walking in love. They're a dirty, rotten scoundrel, but at least they, right? Do you see some good? Do you have a good, find a good opinion? There's got to be something. So you're not just casting someone off. You're believing. There's something there that God can work with. There's something in there, right? Believing all things. Only with reluctance will you accept a bad report. Somebody who is believing all things will only with reluctance accept a bad report. Somebody talks bad about somebody you know in church. Well, I, I was going to sit by them, and they told me not to sit by them no more. Only with reluctance would you listen to something like that, believe something, right? You'd have to go verify it first, right? Somebody tells you some, some, something. Only a bad report. Y'all know what a bad report is, right? Especially in relationships. You know what a bad report is. Only with reluctance will you believe that. Only with reluctance. That's called believing all things. I just don't believe it. I just don't believe. I can't see brother so-and-so doing that. I can't see sister so-and-so getting involved in something like that. Amen? It only believes a bad report with reluctance. That's love. You ever been shocked when you found out something about somebody? Right? In love, love says, I don't believe it, I don't believe it, I don't believe it, and then only with reluctance, you... Okay, I guess it's true. That's love. That's love holding out, holding out. Maybe it's not true. Maybe it's not true. Holding out, hoping for the best, believing the best, but only with reluctance will accept that bad report. That's when wisdom kicks in. That's when wisdom kicks in. Then you pray. Yeah, then you pray. We're just talking about, we're just talking about the right view of God's love. We're talking about the right view of God's love. And remember, this, this is the Spirit of God. This is how the Spirit of God loves. So this gives you an idea of how God loves us. Come on. You know how many times the devil brings a bad report about you? He's a liar. He's a cheater. He's a swindler. He's a this. He's a that. He's lazy. No down, rotten. You know, the devil's always bringing a bad report to, to God about you. He's called the accuser of the brethren. Amen. But love 
only accepts a bad report with reluctance, believes all things. Remember how God came back on the devil about Job? No, 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 not my servant, Job. Oh, yeah, he'll curse you. He'll curse you if you, don't, if you take your hand. No, no, not my servant, Job. See, that was God's love. God's love says, no, I believe, all th- I believe in my God. I believe in my God. It's an example, and God, does the, God loves us the same way. He believes you can make it. He believes in you. Amen? Love hopes all things. Love hopes all things. At, at the end, um, I, I believe it was uh, Matthew Poole, he said that this kind of crescends. It, it's, you know, love, it, it hopes, you know, you hope for the best, then you get a bad report, and you're like, ah. And then at the end, you come down here, and you just say, well, let's just pray, and we, we're going to hope that they change. We're going to hope that they change. We're going to hope that God does a work on them. You know, once you, once you go down this progression, and you go, you know, you, you, you allowed yourself to get involved in the situation, You've borne things, you've believed things, and then things just don't turn out right. The bad report was true. The bad report was true. You don't say, well, I'm washing my hands with them. Love doesn't stop there. You see, when you do get the bad report, love says, okay, now it's time to pray. Now it's time to hope that God will awaken them that God will open their eyes, that God will save them out of whatever they're in. See, this progression goes from believing, getting the bad reports, and then saying, okay, now it's time to pray. So when, when you're hopeful, you're, you know, um, it's uh, hope never fades. You never run out of hope. God's, the Spirit of God in you, when it's operating, Never run out of hope. Somebody could have somebody could be going the wrong direction. Somebody could lie to you. Somebody could let you down. Time after time after time after time. And your natural man will say, they're never gonna get it. They're never gonna get it. I'm wasting my time inviting them to church, sharing the gospel with them. I'm wasting my time. I'm wasting my time. But if you get to that bat, if you get all the way to that point, there's this last part in there that says love hopes all things. And when you get to that point where you just feel like there's no hope, there's no use, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, then you get to this place where you just put it before the Lord and you hope, you pray. Say, God, I'm putting it in your hands. I know they're not too far gone, God. I know they're not too far gone. I'm hopeful, God. I'm hopeful. I know that you can, you can get their attention. I know you can open their eyes. I know they're not too far gone. And you pray and you hope that God changes their hearts. Amen? It's, it's, it's an eternal thing. You just, you're, even if somebody's done wrong and they've gone down the same road, if you've ever you know, dealt with somebody that's, that's an addict, or somebody that's just not saved, 
Or, you know, those kinds of people, you, you try, you try, you try, and it's like talking to a wall. Or you get in that cycle of up, down, left, right, up, down, left, right, up, down, left. And you go, what is the use? Love hopes. That's the use. Praise. You, you might have to get to the point where you just pray for them. Sometimes it might better, be better to stop talking to them and just pray for them. Get out of the cycle. You know, that's what um, insanity is, right? Doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. Sometimes you got to break the cycle. Just put them over here in this category of hope in all things. Just put them in that category. Stop talking to them. Stop worrying. Stop, you know, stop the insanity. Put them over here in this category and pray. Fight for them in prayer. You'll be amazed what God will do when you begin to fight for somebody in prayer. Amen? So love hopes all things. Love hopes all things. And lastly, love endures all things. It's patient. It's long-suffering. It's putting up with what you used to wouldn't put up with. That's how you know God's doing a work in you. Many of you put up with stuff you used to wouldn't put up with. Right? That's endurance. That's God's love working in you. God's love never says a trial or an affliction or an insult cannot be endured. A trial or an affliction or an insult. Love can endure those things. God's love working through you can endure any affliction, any hardship, any trial, any insult. Somebody could let you down a hundred times. Love endures. Somebody could talk bad about you a thousand times. Love endures. It endures. You never look at a situation as hopeless if you've got God's love working in there. Love doesn't complain. You see, if you're going to endure, you're not going to be a complainer. You know why? People complain. It's getting hot in here. It's getting hot in here. It's getting too hot for me in here. It's getting hot in here. It's getting hot in here. It's too hot for me in here. We're complaining, 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 and then we're going to jump. That's how we treat our trials. You start down the road of complaining, you're going to get into a spot you don't want to be in. It takes you out of the endurance boat. So complaining never helps. Complaining never helps. Complaining will put you in a place you don't want to be. Love endures, not complains. Complaining is the opposite of enduring. Just think about it. It's getting hot in here. It's getting hot. You start complaining, you'll start picking everything apart. You know, you can get, a, it's, it's almost like you catch a complaining bug. You start noticing one scratch over here. You start complaining. Then you'll notice one here. And then, you know, then before you know it, you, there's scratches everywhere. You start noticing a flaw in, in a person here. You complain about it. Then you notice a second. You complain about it. Then you start complaining, complaining. Then you'll start tearing that person down to the ground simply because you're a complainer, not an endurer. 
complaining, complaining is the opposite of enduring. So, uh, another, uh, another thing is that love, um, it endures evil done to itself. It endures evil done to itself. What, what do I mean by that? When people do your own. When people do your own. When somebody doesn't open the door for you. Love says, they must not have seen me. Right? But a complaining, a comp- somebody that's got bit by the complaining bug, you don't open the door for them, they'll stand right there till you open it. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Huh? That's a complaining bug. And, and we're going to operate either in God's love or our flesh. And the, one of the quickest ways, you know, that we get out of the spirit is by compromise. But another way that we get out of the spirit is by complaint. You, com- you start down that road of complaining, it's going to take you out of walking in the spirit. You'll lose your victory. You'll lose your peace. You'll lose your joy. You'll lose the the tenacity in your spirit. You'll lose that deepness. You'll you, you'll lose that depth. You'll you'll lose that closeness because you've gotten over into that place. You know, it, it, if if we wanted to complain, we could complain about anything. It, let's and I'm closing. But look, look at politics. I'm not going to get political, but look at politics. Eight years, half the country complained. New president, the other half complains. But the nation is, we're still here in America. You see what I'm saying? And, and if you allow yourself to get in that complaint, it doesn't matter. You know, one half of the nation, it didn't matter what Obama did. They were going to complain about him. It didn't matter what he did. He could have given, you know, it didn't matter what he did. They would have, compl- then now the other half of the nation, doesn't matter what President Trump says. No matter what he does, they're going to they're gonna complain. No matter what he does. No matter what he does. What good does it do to complain like that? You see that? You see how once you get in that complaining mode, you just, you don't stop. You don't see things the way they actually are. You start seeing things in a compromised manner. You start seeing an, an, an aberration of the way it truly is. It wasn't everything that Obama did was wrong. It wasn't everything that Trump did was wrong. It wasn't everything he did was right. It wasn't everything he did was right. We're called to judge the actions. We're called to judge actions. And so, you know, and, and I know everybody has very hot political views and things like that. I'm just getting you to see that once you get into that complaining thing, It'll take you down that road where it don't matter what they do, you'll, you'll eat them up. And it happens in churches. I mean, if, if, if you start, you know, complaining about how somebody does you and you keep on and keep on, then you'll, you'll start picking that person apart. You'll start picking apart the way they park their car, the way they dress, the, you know, they never sing on cue or on key, <laughs> they, they never do this, they never, you know, they never go this and they never do that. And you've got everybody picked apart. They never come to the prayer meeting. They never come to the dinners. 
They never call anybody. They're always, you know, either one minute early or ten minutes late. They never, they never think any. You start if you get into that complaining spirit, you will pick everybody apart, and nobody will be up to your standard. That's not love. But you know what? A lot of people talk the talk. They'll, they'll, you know, they they want to talk the talk and rip it and roar it and, you know, but do they love the way God tells us to love? We, you know, are we operating in complaining? Or are we operating in love? And, 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 and don't feel bad if, I mean, if you've been there, everybody's been there. All of us have complained. Let's just get that out of the way. Everybody in this room has complained. But if we're going to walk in the spirit, we've got to resist that and endure. We've got to look past some things. And so, and, and understand that not everybody's perfect. and You're not perfect. So before, you know, and, and, and let me just say this as I'll close. But when you come to church, stop looking at other people. Stop looking at other people. I mean, they're not here. They're not here. They're this. They're that. They didn't do this. They didn't. What are you looking at? Stop judging folks. Look to Jesus. Amen. I mean, if, 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 if everybody's worshiping, don't be looking around singing, who's singing? You know what I mean? I've been in places like that. I've been in places like that. And I'm not saying it's like that here, but I've, I've been in places like that where, you know, everybody's monitoring everything. And you can just see the wheels turning. They're calculating who's there, who's not, who's singing, who's not, who's, you know, who's walking, in, who's doing this, who's doing that. They didn't do this, I did it. They didn't do that, but I did, you know, and they're just steadily doing that kind of stuff. That's not love. Love doesn't operate like that. Love's not a, you know, but once you go down that road of complaining, it, it will wear you out. It will wear you out. It's just like anything in the world. Any sin that the world has, it, 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 it'll take you to a place that you don't want to be. You compromise a little bit, you allow a little leaven, it'll leaven the whole what? A little bit of leaven will leaven the whole lump. You, you start getting into a little bit of complaining, it'll take you down a road where you start tearing people apart and you'll be judging everybody, you know? When somebody else gets uh, recognition at church, You'll be, you'll, you're, if you've got a complaining heart, you'll say, yeah, but they don't ever come on Sunday night. They don't, right? They don't do what I do. They don't do, they don't. So, you know, it's a big problem that we have, complaining. And everybody complains. That's why we've got to make sure, you know, we, like I said, resist it. Resist it. Uh, it'll, it'll take your joy out real quick. You'll think that you're progressing in the Lord because you're comparing yourself against others and complaining and tearing them down, but it'll take your joy out. All it, like I said earlier, gossip, we call it tickling the ear, but it's, called, it's really the flesh that is tickling. Take you to a place you don't want to be. Somebody got any comments they want to make? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Amen. That's a great way to look at it. Instead of, you know, yeah. It's like, you know, nobody else, it, it, you know, I, I can't tell you how many, I just, you know, 
um, I'll go in here and pick up trash, you know, in between church services and things like that. Just looking around. Because, you know, when people come, I don't want there to be trash everywhere. But if I allowed myself to get in a complaining spirit, I said, oh, sister, so left her trash yet again, and I'm going to pick it up. I, nobody else picking it up. But me. You see, you can get into that real quick. Nobody else is doing it. But like you said, you say, I'm not looking at what they did or didn't do. I'm saying, I'm doing this for God. This is trash. This is the Lord's house. I'm getting it out for God. I'm not, when I look at it, I'm not saying, who sat here? Who, who was it that sat here? Hey, who sat here? You've got your... You see the difference? I'm just going to do, you know, some people, they'll launch into a full-blown FBI investigation about who sat there. Do you remember? Did you see who sat? Did you see who did that? Did you see who left that there? Who did you see? No, take notes. Who did you see? He's take notes. Who did you see? They'll, they'll get to the bottom of who left that candy wrapper there because they're going to get them. When love just says, hey, this is something I get to do for God, I'm, I'm getting to pick up this trash for God. I'm getting to clean the house of God for God. It's a joy. Well, I don't want to pick up trash. All, you know, I don't want to pick up thousands and thousands of pieces of trash. No, but it's a joy to be able to help the Lord's house look better. Really? You actually saw that. Now, that's funny. <laughs> they went into a full-blown FBI investigation, huh? Took notes and everything. How sad is that? Oh, yeah, the hamster wheel. Yes. It is. It is. That's right. That's right. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it is like a hamster wheel. Once you once you allow yourself to get in it, you 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 got to work to get out of it, because it it'll it'll keep you in that place. Because you know it's 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 like if uh, I've heard it said like this before, but if you begin to see faults in others, Satan will bring you a flash, or you think you don't have none. <laughs> but but if you're looking at faults in others, the devil will bring you a flashlight. So if you allow yourself to get into that place, just be forewarned, the enemy of your soul will help you out. Will help you out. So it's kind of dangerous. But yeah, that's what complaining does. And it robs you from being the person that God wants you to be. Instead, you know, if, 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 if all we do is complain, you know, when the opposite is, you know, if you see somebody not doing right and you complain about it, complain about it, complain about it, why don't you go help them out? Well, easiest thing is to do is to pray for them. That's the easiest thing to do. But roll up your sleeves, go over to their house, and help them out. Amen? Help them out. So, anybody else want to say anything? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we hope. Yeah. I think that, and I don't use other versions, but I believe the Amplified Bible, it says that um, love, love's hope is fadeless. Fadeless. So hope is fadeless. That means you don't, you don't take it down a notch to where you just stop hoping for them. 
you hope for them completely, fully, all the time. That, yeah, I mean, you're exactly right, though. You're exactly right. And when you look at the world's love, the world loves in order to get something. Actually, the world wants you to give them something before they give you something, right? I'll do this if you do that. I'll do this if you do that. Now we got something cooking. But if you look at it from God's perspective, the way God loves, God so loved the world that he gave. And not everybody loves God back. Some people reject God's love, right? And that's where you see his long-suffering. That's where you see his long-suffering. But the patience is running out, you know? There's going to be a day whenever there's judgment day. But, but as, of, as, as it is right now, you see a perfect image of God's love in the fact that he gave, but not everybody loves back. So, but it's, the offer's still there. The offer's still there. Even to the deathbed. 